It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We welcome you along to Monday's edition of the programme on uh, today, March the 8th, International Women's Day for 2021. And can we wish all of the ladies listening to us today a very happy International Women's Day. And we have a very special programme lined up for you today because it's all about the ladies uh, today. All of our guests are females who are going to be sharing their own thoughts on inspirational women in their own lives. And also if they could have a dinner party who what females would they invite they're allowed to invite three females living or dead and why would they like to invite them along and who when they were growing up who inspires them the most and our phone lines and our text messages uh, service is open as well if you the listeners would like to tell us if there's any inspirational woman who really stands out in your own life maybe it was somebody who maybe it was your mother your grandmother maybe there was a teacher who was very inspirational to you or who do you look up to have you female Male role models at the moment. Uh, we certainly would love to hear from you. John Paul is taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can also text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And I won't let the moment morning pass without giving a quick mention. They reckon it's about 100,000 children have returned to preschool at this morning. This is under the early childhood childhood care and education scheme. Now it is a phased reopening and they reckon the full full reopening won't be for another three weeks time but there's about 100,000 smallies heading out this morning and I imagine that's probably mixed with excitement and nervousness as well. Some of the children will be bursting to get in the door to meet up with their little playmates again and for the mums and the dads there'll be a mixture of yes it's time for them to go back and no doubt a, mis- um, a mixture of feeling a little bit nervous about them as well. So the best of luck to that 100,000 children all over the country returning to preschool this morning. And as today is International Women's Day, we've decided to dedicate the entire programme to just female guests. All of our guests today have been sent a list of 10 questions so they can take some time to think about the answers and to talk about females who've inspired their lives and their careers. And our first guest this morning is Irish singer-songwriter Una Healy, who rose to fame as a member of the five-piece girl group The Saturdays. And delighted to say Una joins me. Good morning to you, Una. Good Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Oh, well, I'm very well. I have to take just a moment to say, I saw you on the late late on Friday night. By God, girl, you're looking good. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, keep doing it because it's definitely suiting you. Oh. And I know you've just released the brand new uh, single, which is fantastic. We've added it to our playlist. We're delighted to be uh, playing uh, playing it. But I want to take you back to when you were a child. What female inspired you the most? Um, well, I guess, first of all, it would be my mother, you know. My mother is a huge um, inspiration of mine and 
so supportive and always has been, you know, even when before I was got into music, I was like a swimmer, competitive swimmer, and she just was always there for me at all my galas and the training sessions. So she's put up with a lot over the years, but she's always been my main inspiration because I just saw how hardworking that she was as well um, and just such a great mum and my best friend. So, yeah, my mother is number one inspiration to me for sure. And was music always going to be a career choice for you? Um, not not always from, you know, from a very young age, it was more like I was just totally obsessed with the swimming, you know, and, and I worked really, really hard at that. And um, it wasn't until I was around 12 years old, actually, again, my mum passed me down her guitar and taught me the first few chords because she used to, she was a semi-professional singer herself um, as a student nurse. Um, and then I just started writing songs. As The first few chords that I wrote, I actually, melodies and lyrics were coming into my head. And um, I, I loved music from female artists as well, like Sheryl Crow. She'd be my, my main idol in, in music. And I remember actually watching her one morning when she was singing that song, All I Want to Do, you know, that song that she mm. had. And I just watched it and I saw her, her and her guitar and I just thought she looked so cool and powerful and she was a songwriter. And I was like, oh, one day I want to be like her. That's what I kind of thought in my head. And it's kind of like from then, I guess, like all throughout my teens and that I continued, was always encouraged with my songwriting and performing and down in school as well. So <clears throat> I just followed that path and eventually led me to where, where I am today. But um, there was loads of different career opportunities that came along and, other ones that I explored, but it was the music kind of like, it's, it, it comes back to haunt you every time. It's like a passion that it never goes away and it, it will never go away. And when you, when you say your mother passed you down her guitar, was it, was it a musical household then? Did you, uh, you know, yeah. at Christmas, did you all sit around and sing? We, we did because, you know, my uncle is Declan Ernie, the yeah. singer. So we, I grew up with music, surrounded by it all the time. Yeah, me and my cousins and my sister, um, especially when we go up to Longford up to, see, to visit Declan and that, we'd all get around and have like sing songs and singing competitions, but everybody was a winner. You know, it was never like one winner. We'd all win a pound back in the day. <laughs> it was really lovely. And yeah, there was always music and going to going to his gigs, I guess, as well. And, and then often he'd often get me up to um, sort of open for him. So his, some of his gigs and shows that he was doing, like I'd go up as a young teenager and he'd pass me over his guitar and I'd start playing it and singing as, the, as people were coming in, you know. Um, so there was all that influence going on as well. And like, what, and what a great way to build the confidence to to sing live in front of people. That's oh, probably, it is. Because it's the way. hardest thing. Yeah, it's the only way to do it because I know there's only so much of singing into a hairbrush in your bedroom that you can do, you know. And by the way, what happened with the swimming? Um, I just sort of had got to that point where it was very hard to compete with people that were training like twice a day. And I was here in Thurles where the guy that used to um, do, run the swimming club had left to go to university so I was actually kind of teaching my I mean coaching myself really and my mum was helping me as well but so I got to that level where it was like I either would have to move and live somewhere where there's like a, a really big swim club or just just pack it in so kind of packed it in around 12, 13 yeah. um, and, but I'd achieved what I wanted to go I got my All-Ireland gold medal so as a, a, in the under nines and I, I, I well done yeah, and so do you still when you can when swimming pools are open do you still enjoy swimming today is that part of your fitness routine oh yeah I love swimming I'm a, it's very, very sad now that it's, they're, not, they're not open at the minute because it's, it's, it's quite relaxing isn't it and yeah, it's always yeah. great when you've an injury because I'm very big into my fitness and I love to go for like 5k runs and I have like a little small home gym as well so it's very great for your mental health as well to just feel like you've achieved a bit of you know get that energy out you know and it, it stays with you for the rest of the day it gives you more energy I find but and what about your own children? Are they swimmers? Um, they're, they're, they can swim, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they, haven't, um, they haven't joined the swim club yet, but um, that's my intention now to get them joined up here in town um, with the, the local swim club. Like I did, I joined, I think I was only six when I joined the club. 
Um, but Aoife's eight now, so she's definitely ready for it now, I think. And then you'll see the commitment your mother gave bringing oh, it. Oh, I know. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it was full on. Yeah, she was, she was. She played a huge role in all of that. Like, and she even like, you know, voluntarily that like, she would head down to the pool and, and, you know, do some coaching and, and, um, and be there at all the galas and travelling around. But it was it's still, it's an amazing um, hobby to have as well, you know, and gives gives you lots to do at weekends for sure when you're travelling around the country going to all the galas. Yeah, and it gives great discipline for kids as well oh, to, to get involved yeah. in something like that. Now, it's been a tough year, I think, for everybody uh, this year. When you reflect on the last 12 months, Una, what has it taught you about yourself? Um, I think that the, the last year we, we've all been having to, to learn this new way of life, like in which hopefully isn't forever, but it's, it was a shock to begin with for everyone. We're all like, what is happening? And it was almost, almost got this weird feeling of like, am I in a movie or what's happening? But the reality of it is it's just awful, it's terrible what's happening, people dying and lo- losing their loved ones. And it's just, it's, it's a very, very, very tough and sad time. Um, but we've all had to pull together and do our best, kind of pull together ironically, but without being together, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like it's been very tough in that way, not seeing not seeing your friends anymore, not getting to hang around with them. Not get, you know, there's a lot of communication happening now over the telephones and on, on, on social media. And But the actual, that social interaction where you're actually around people is, has, has just disappeared and it's very, very, very strange. Um, but hopefully not for too much longer now. Um, I found that quite difficult not to, not to be around people, you know. It's yeah. very, quite lonely, I guess. But in other ways then, you know, being at home and I'm very fortunate to have my two gorgeous children um, in the first lockdown I was just the three of us at home and I did get that lovely you know time to, to bond I guess with them even more um, and uh, then now since I've moved back to Ireland I've got my, my parents who, who were all in one bubble together so to have their support and just to be around each other and spend time together you know you just have to enjoy that as well as much as you can without seeing your friends it's very hard though you know it is it is it is I think yeah. we're, we're sociable creatures yeah <laughs> but, uh, we really are and talking to sociable creatures if you could host a dinner party it's three female guests that can be dead dead or alive who would you invite and why um, I would invite, okay, so I love country music, big okay. fan of Dolly Parton. She's like the queen of country. So I bring Dolly because she's so glamorous. I'm sure she'd come arrive in style and she's, you know, a real character as well. So I'd love to have her there. Um, and then I'll keep it with the music as well. I'd have uh, my idol, my original musical idol, Cheryl Crow, love her. Like we could hopefully write a song together as well, because that would be like my, my dream come true if I could co-write a song with Cheryl. And then, and also as a young child as well, I loved Madonna. She was like one of the, I remember I played her tape to death, the True Blue tape, and I had like, remember all the song lyrics would be with the cassette and like learning off all the words and oh, so yeah. So she, they were all, yeah, they were printed on the inside of the, yeah. of the sleeve. And they were really yeah. important, weren't they? Like yeah. they know all yeah. the lyrics and like we'd always, yeah, learn them all off. And I remember like the sellotape, we'd actually, I just remember the, the cover going all yellow from the amount of time sellotape, it was torn and sellotaped back together. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess they're like three of my, my musical heroes, really, you know, heroines. <laughs> yeah. And you've made that move back from pop from pop music to country. Has that, it's been very natural for um, you. Yeah, it's kind of pop country. My, my latest single, Swear It All Again, I, you know, you can definitely hear a country influence in there. Um, but it's still, um, still it's, it's quite pop, I would say, mm. uh, more so than some of the other records I've released recently, um, more folky. Um, but this this one is, is pop, I would say, kind of country pop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but that country pop, that whole country scene is huge in uh, in Ireland. Yeah, it's huge. And it has been, oh, it's, a whole, it's, it's a whole genre of country and Irish music um, in its own right. It's, it's, um, it's, it's always been so popular. Um, 
but the uh, sort of Amer- more American country, I guess, is, is, is probably the more mainstream. The, there's a lot of crossovers happening as well with lots of different artists, with, with the um, the country artists and say like slash R and B, rock, pop. So it's yeah, it's kind of become part of every genre now. Country, there's elements of it in there because it's it's just real honest music, you know, with great hooks. I love it. I love a song with a real catchy yeah. chorus. That's so when I ever I write a song, I say I want it. To, want it to be one of those. I love that word. When someone says it's catchy, it's always a good one. You know. Yeah, it just it gets into your ear and you. Yeah, you, earworm. Yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's it's brilliant. Who's the most impressive famous female alive today? Do you feel? Oh, so, so okay, you can't really crown one particular person. I think women in general were all very much standing together um, and supporting each other. And you'll often hear that expression, you know, women supporting women. And I think that that's it's lovely. I really feel that around me and. I'm part of a vocal harmony group. Um, well, Irish Women in Harmony, we um, released the song Dreams. Um, oh, I, can I just year. say that just, the first time I heard that, I got goosebumps. It's, oh, it's incredible it, song. It, it, was, it was very special, actually. That was one thing that we, we, we collaborated on um, during lockdown, the first lockdown. Um, and Ruth Ann Cunningham, um, she produced it. And there's this kind of almost like a movement happening in, in Irish uh, music for women supporting women and, and highlighting that, unfortunately, the statistics are out there that Irish women aren't being played enough on Irish radio compared to men. So it's all being discussed and we're in, you know, it's, 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 it's getting there. Uh, it's, it's great to think that we've highlighted that and um, we really do support each other. And I think that that's, that's what it is. It's all about women supporting each other yeah. as well. And I think when we look back and we will one day look back at this pandemic and we'll see positives and it'll be mm. things like that. Those songs will be there forevermore. Yeah, and they, the they'll thing. be they, they, they'll be such a huge, huge uh, uh, positive. What are you most grateful for today in life, Una? Um, most grateful for I say my, my you know my 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 pride of my my children you know being being a mother to to the two children and you know I am a single mother I raise them alone with my with the help of of my parents as well um, you know and that you know I've got a lot of good friends as well in a similar boat to myself and it's not easy but we can do it you know as as, as a woman I just feel very proud of 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 them and just to see them grow and watch them and and mentor and help them in life as well. And I'm really looking forward to my future with them as well. Just like I can remember as being a child myself, how my my parents and my mother influenced me. Yeah, somebody's just said, hi, Patricia. So on the late, late on Friday night, she looks amazing. She sings amazing. And what an inspiration she is to all of us uh, women. And, And I hope that you do take that away. You are truly inspirational, particularly to other young women who are parenting on Mm. on their own. You really are amazing and and you're an inspiration. So hold that uh, dear within your heart. Una, it was a real, real pleasure uh, talking to you. Enjoy the rest of International Women's Day. Yeah, you too. And and thanks a million for joining us. And thanks to all your listeners and thanks very much. Okay, bye bye, bye bye. bye. That is the wonderful Una Healy and uh, her new single which is out is called Swear It All Again. And actually there was another uh, WhatsApp in from Michael. Hi, Michael says Patricia. Hi, happy International Women's Day to all of your female listeners. And don't you deserve it? Says Michael. In my lifetime, I've crossed paths. He says with some exceptional women, from my own mother to some stalwarts like Mary Robinson, Princess Margaret, other ladies of royalty, Nora Owen, Helen McEntee, and others. All very inspiring women. No doubt, a massive congratulations also goes to Phil Healy of Bandon on her superb 
her performance over the weekend. No doubt she will inspire a lot of ladies to get up and go out there. You can do it. Finally, but not least, happy International Women's Day to you. Oh, thank you for your achievements in in keeping us entertained on the airways. Well, that's literally, that's uh, my pleasure. Thank you for that. That's Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear. Thank you for that. So keep your texts and calls coming in. You can text or WhatsApp if there's anybody who's truly inspired you, a female has truly inspired you, 0862 103 103. Our John Paul taking your calls, 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. My next guest this morning is an Irish writer who was born in Germany but grew up in Mallow. Stephanie Preisner is also an actress, an influencer, a script supervisor, an activist and a columnist. And she's an all-round nice gal. Good morning to Stephanie Preisner. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? You're very welcome to the programme. Wikipedia is running out of spaces to list all the things you are. Oh, God. Like, (laughs) the list. But I remember, like, when I would have been, like, before I had the job that I had and I would be listening to people being introduced like that. I'd always feel like just less than because people had all these accolades and all these things in front of their name and like you know Wikipedia doesn't list all the things that have not gone well for me you know like yeah. Wikipedia doesn't mention like the TV scripts that haven't gotten made or the things that I have tried my hat at and failed but you know so I think just when people introduce me all the time I feel the need to be like you know yeah those are those things are all true but it's a very filtered look at at my life well, we're only looking at your positives. Let's go back to your to your your childhood. Who were your strong female role models growing up in Mallow? I only had female role models. I think about this because my parents divorced, so it was me and my mom, and then and my nana was a huge, a huge part of my life. Now, my uncle, my uncle and my granddad were like you know the men in my life, and I saw them as they related to me as an uncle and a grandfather. But like. I don't really, I remember asking my friend Julie, what do dads do? Like, what are dads for? And she just kind of laughed at me because she had a dog. We didn't have a dog. She had a dad. I didn't have a dad. It just seems to be that way that like different families were formed in different ways. And she just kind of told me like, oh yeah, he, you know, now we were children, we were in primary school, but she had to just kind of curse me away. Like, he fixes my bike and he cuts the grass and he sets up the VHS tape and whatever. A video recorder. And I'm thinking like, my mom does that, my mom does that, my mom does that. They're like, all right, Greg, so I don't, I don't have a need for it. And at the same time, I was watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which was a huge influence on my life. And she was living in Salem with her two aunts and very female-focused show there. So I didn't, I, I had a lot of female role models and, and very few male ones, but I didn't see that as an absence that was kind of present in my life, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and your mother is a strong woman and her mother, your granny, is was a very strong woman. Yeah, they were they were brilliant and they taught me, you know, a lot. Like my mom worked a lot and I got my work ethic from her and my grandmother was, you know yesterday I was doing the Sunday business post Crypto Crossword and I was thinking of my grandmother and how much she taught me and how we connected so well intellectually. You know, she was a pharmacist and a real woman of academia and I sort of got my love for learning from her. Um, and, and I'm very grateful for those things. Maybe if I had had different women in my life who had different, people were very formed by the women in our lives. But um, 
I'm pretty happy with the lot that I got. Yeah, well done. And actually, you shared, um, I have to mention it, I mean, you, you shared your Nana with, with all of us through your social media uh, posts. And, you know, I can't, whenever I look at a crossword puzzle, I, I think of your grandmother, because she loved doing the crossword puzzle. Oh, she did. We, I have a video of the day before she died, and we were doing Sunday's Christmas crossword. And I still have that crossword. We didn't complete it. And um, it's about six or seven months we didn't get to, and there's one on it that I can't get. And I also kind of don't want to get it. I don't want to become more adept at doing them than she taught me to be. Um, but yeah, and, and on Instagram, so many people shared my grandmother with me, and I have a highlight on my Instagram page for anyone who wants to see it. If you just go onto my Instagram page, it's there, and one of the circles that says Nana. And she was just so, so funny, and she loved. She loves the gas of Instagram. She didn't quite understand what was happening. So when people would message, like there was, I take her to her appointments in the hospital. She had an eye issue, and and nurses who followed me on Instagram in the hospital would be like, "Oh hi, I I, I know you from Instagram." She didn't know <laughs> how that was happening, but she got a great kick out of it. Like, <laughs> that's fantastic. It's fantastic, and she, she lives on through you uh, uh, for, uh, for sure. Um, and when you were growing up, um, Stephanie, did you know career-wise what you wanted to do or what led you to your chosen career? No, no. I wanted to be a guard um, and I went to Templemore for two weeks to sort of follow that dream. And then and then I got involved in, in theatre, um, youth theatre first of all. And I don't know, like I'm an only child and I maybe there's some sort of performance element of that, but I do... You know, sometimes I hear interviews with other writers and they say, like, oh, I just write for myself and I like, you know, I'd, if if nobody was reading my work, I'd be writing anyway. And that's true to a, to a point, but, like, I, I don't just write for myself. I have this deep need to be seen and to be heard and and to feel like I can put my myself out into the world and for someone to reflect back, being like, yeah, me too, I'm the same, I think the same. And maybe that comes from being an only child or or maybe it just comes from you know, not wanting, wanting to have a place in the world. But um, it was when I start, I went to college and I studied drama and theatre studies that I found this this love for, for sort of, at the start it was acting and it was speaking other people's words and taking on characters and, and trying to live somebody else's life just for a moment. But then as I kind of progressed in that, I realised that I had so much to say myself that I didn't want to say other people's words, you know, and I didn't see the need really to be still a woman talking about Romeo four or five hundred years later. Like, I don't, I didn't understand why we needed to tell the same story because there are so many amazing women living amazing lives now that we can talk about. And so that's sort of where the inception of, of writing came from. And I know that there are a lot of people who have that feeling as well and, and, and don't have writing careers. So I think it's a confluence of, like, my passion and my persistence, but also there is an element of luck and, and, and sort of privilege that I was able to you know, that I was able to take time and spend time writing and not have to worry about other things in my life because I had the support of family and career support. Um, so that's kind of how I came to know that this was the thing for me. And and you know, even by your, your weekly columns and stuff, you love doing what you're doing. I do love it. I do. Um, and, and it's not... There are aspects of it that I don't love. Sometimes I give career talks in secondary school and, you know... 
there's a lot of people who go into schools and say, like, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. There are aspects of my job that I absolutely hate. Like, just before I came on here, I had an email from Revenue saying it's time to buy my VAT return. I absolutely hate. <laughs> I don't that's love... life, Stephanie. That's nothing to do with that's your job. Life. That's life. But that's what I'm saying. I also get edits, you know, so if I write something, I send it to my editor, she comes back and she criticizes, you know, she, that's her job is to edit and criticize. And I don't love that part. My ego doesn't love it for sure. But in general, I love my my job in the sense that I get to be in the world and be as curious and sort of messed up and confused as I am in this wild, uncontrollable chaos that is life. And I get to like write about that and try to process things as I go. And then because of Instagram and because of social media, I get other people's input and I get people feeding me back what they think about the articles or how, how they relate to what I do. And that's a very... That's my favourite part, is being able... Because otherwise I would just be writing and people would be reading in their homes on Sunday or reading my books privately. But when people come back to me and tell me how they relate to things, that's very fulfilling. Yeah, it's great. Well, you're great at what you do, so, so, so keep doing it. What's the last year been like for you and has it taught you anything about yourself? Oh, it's been blissful, Patricia. Just like all your <laughs> <laughs> God almighty. Uh, it's been long. It's been long. Um... I find the days very long, but then the weeks are short, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm like, oh God, it's Friday again. And yet sometimes I'm like, how is it only 10 past three? I looked an hour ago and it was five past three. Um, what it has taught me, though, is that, like, if you had said to me last year, in March, you're going to be in your house for a year, you're not going to be seeing your friends and family, you're not going to go to the cinema or theatre or going to a restaurant, everything is going to be closed. I would have said, I can't, I can't do that. I, I, I'm not constitutionally able for that and yet here we are and I did it and we've all done it and I think it shows you that the limits of our beliefs about ourselves are not necessarily true or wise Um, but that's not to say that we should pat ourselves on the back and try to replicate this I think what has happened is that we have survived or we are surviving um, and that I need to be gentle with myself like I can't expect to be the same level of productive or the same level of attentive to my friends than I was when I wasn't living through a global pandemic. So it's sort of, now this makes it seem like I have this wise, enlightened view on it. Some days I just want to have a tantrum. But, you know, the days where I can see the perspective, I think, you know, we're doing it. Like, we're getting there. I'm getting through it. The sun is really helping. Um, January was very grim. But I guess it's showing me that. Some of the extraneous stuff I don't need in my life and the things that I do need, I'm desperately going to prioritise those. Okay, your phone line is atrocious and it's breaking up on us. So very briefly, Stephanie, your fantasy dinner party, who are the three female guests that you'd bring? Um, I would hate a fantasy dinner party with strangers because I can't do small talk. But (laughs) if I had this wish, right? Yeah. Why would you be bringing back someone? Like, I would bring my nana back to the dead. I knew I knew amazing. you were going to say that. I knew you'd say that. Who else? But then, if I'm bringing her back to the dead, I can hardly invite someone who isn't my mother or my <laughs> nana's sister because that would just be unfair. So, so that's 
sit in there. Ah, that's me, gorgeous. That's gorgeous. That, that is gorgeous. Listen, happy International Women's Day to you, Stephanie. It's a pleasure as always to talk to you. And uh, stay talk safe. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. That is the wonderful Stephanie Preisner. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, my next guest this morning to celebrate International Women's Day is Rena Buckley. Between 2005 and 2017, Rena won 18 All-Ireland medals, making her one of the most decorated sports people in Gaelic games. Good morning to you, Rena, and you're welcome. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning. Well, and thank you for taking part in our celebration of women on International Women's Day. Now, if I can take you back to your childhood, what female inspired you as a child? Is there one or maybe there's more who really stands out as somebody who really inspired you? Yeah, look, I suppose as a child, I suppose you have to look to your own um, your own upbringing. And, and in fairness, I, I had very strong women in my life. Um, I suppose the two, the two women, I suppose, that would have had the... The biggest influence in me from home would, would obviously be my mother and my grandmother on my father's side as well. So both of them were very strong women in their own way. I suppose my grandmother would have been uh, like a traditional mother at home. And no, she was, um, you know, she was a, a, a very strong woman and, and a lady at the same time. And, you know, she was great company, but, you know, she was a, a very, very strong person. And then I suppose I had my mother at home and... Um, I suppose the the situation for us at home was my father was self-employed. My mother was a teacher, you know, I would have, um, I suppose I wouldn't have realised it as a child, but, you know, she went away, she got an education, she went on and she went teaching. Um, and I suppose the roles were were shared at home in terms of my mother went out to school, out to work in the morning, and my father would have done some of the, the, the homework, and then he might have worked in the evening. So I suppose they were two strong women in my life growing up and, um they were, I suppose, uh, a very good influence on me. And was it a sporty household? I have to admit, um, Patricia, it wasn't actually hugely <laughs> sporty at all. Um, so I suppose I, I have an older brother and I have a twin sister. So my older brother, as a child, became, just from the get-go, was very, very keen on, on sport. Um, and we went to Berings National School and GA was the sport in Berings National School. And we just loved hurling and football. Um, so it was kind of initially from his love of sport, he brought it into the house and I suppose myself and my sister followed. Um, what I will say is the house I came from, uh, I suppose, look, discipline would have been a big thing in our house. Um, and, you know, my parents would have been huge into education and kind of health, I suppose. And I suppose, I think sport kind of slotted in really well with those. And my mother was an Irish teacher. My father loves Irish. You know, Gaelic games was, was just a, a, a perfect fit for us, really. Um, you know, we would have ate very, ate very well, looked after ourselves and the fact we enjoyed sport so much, it was a brilliant social outlet and, and we really, really enjoyed it. Was it a competitive household? Um, I think there was probably a healthy competition <laughs> there, yeah. Um, but I, I suppose, look, we all would have been um, encouraged to, to do our best in whatever we were involved in. Um, uh, and we certainly were encouraged to do our best, but... And there was no huge judgment, you know, attached to that, but definitely we, we would have been asked to do our best. I suppose it was kind of interesting because because I had a twin sister, I always had someone that, you know, you could directly kind of compare to. Now, I was lucky in the fact that my twin sister, we looked nothing alike, um, nothing at all alike. Actually, like the three, when the three of us were young, people used to think it was myself and my brother were the twins. So we were like three steps of the stairs. You know, physically we were different. 
I was my my sister was darker and I, I was more red, so I was more close to my brother in colouring. He was kind of more blandy. So people knew there was twins in the family and you know they, they were kind of confused when they met us who were the actual twins. But in terms of competition, um I suppose look the things we would have been competitive in would have been kind of school and sport and Irish dancing. And I'd have to say when I, in competition with my sister, I came second best in two out of those three. <laughs> so there was competition, but um yeah, there was, um, <laughs> you had to take your beating in it, isn't it? <laughs> but you obviously, you qualified as um, a physiotherapist, so so the brains are there as well. Was was it tough to balance the study both in school and then in college and all that you were doing on the pitch? Um, look, there's definitely kind of, um, there's definitely a skill to it. And there's definitely a huge amount of kind of um, management involved in it. But with the right attitude, I think they complemented each other very well, actually. Um, you know, there's lessons you can learn from sport that you can bring into schoolwork. And there's lessons from your schoolwork or your education that you can bring into sport as well. Um, so in secondary school, I, I thought it was it was really helpful, um, you know, to have a kind of a focus outside of school. It took, took a little bit of the pressure off. But, you know, you got really strong messages from sport about working hard, doing your best. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And, and, you know, that takes the pressure off you then when you're doing, you know, you're leaving search and so on. Um, and then I suppose after that, when you're in, in college and, and in doing sport, you know, I think, again, the same messages, you know, that they cross over and they're, they're definitely helpful. You know, you're trying to, to manage your time well. You know, you're trying to um, set goals and meet them. And then I suppose I was studying physiotherapy, so... Um, I definitely was relating some of the things I was learning in in college to what I was doing in sport and vice versa. So, look, there was times that things were busy, all right. But I'd have to say um, I, I thought they worked quite well together. And you, when you decided to go down the road of physiotherapy, was that because of your involvement in sport? Did that lead you to your chosen field? Um, yeah, I would have contributed, yeah. So I went to secondary school in St. Ells in Cork and... Um, I remember we had a career guidance teacher, Miss Kelleher, and she used to be, she was helping us in terms of what, you know, what we were interested in. So the things I was interested in school, I was interested in science. I was interested in Irish as well. Um, and then obviously I had a huge interest in sport outside of that. So I suppose it was because of my interest in, in science and because of my interest in sport. That was why I came to the conclusion that that physio might be um, a, a nice fit for me. And I suppose I'm interested in people. I like meeting people and I like helping people. Um, and I suppose those values still shine true. And I suppose I like working as a physio and they're probably the reasons why. No, if I didn't, if I didn't do physio, I'm sure I could have slotted into something else. <laughs> and I sure I would have got on just fine. But look, it was a nice fit for me and I, I do enjoy it. And the last year has been such a difficult year for, for so, ma- so many people. When you reflect on the last 12 months, Arena, is there anything that you've learned about yourself? Uh, certainly, yeah. Look, it's been a, it's been a long period at this stage. Um, so from my own point of view, initially in, in 2020, when, when this thing hit, um, I suppose I closed down at work. Um, I suppose we were off sport. So it was a huge change in my life. So look, the huge big focuses in my life have been both work and sport. And next thing, the two of those things were taken away from me. Um, and I would say I found it difficult to kind of kind of deal with it in one sense. Suddenly I was kind of lacking a bit of kind of purpose. I didn't know. No, when you get up in the morning, I didn't know what the goal of the day was. Um, so I suppose what I learned about myself was um, 
that certainly I, I I do like having having a kind of a purpose. I do I do like having goals. So what I learned for this this kind of lockdown, now, I suppose this is a little bit different because I am at work, so um, we're an essential service, so we're we're working away. But I suppose I, I was able to sit down. I was able to write down the things that I I could do, the things that I would like to do, um, and you know set set little goals for myself. Um, and that's kind of how I worked for for this lockdown. And I suppose, look, the sport is is look, it's it's brilliant in terms of enjoyment, but there's a lot of learnings in sport as well. And one thing I've really learned from sport is that, you know, you can you can't there's you know you can only control the controllables, and, and you can't worry about anything else. So I suppose I'd be looking at COVID kind of the same. There's things that are out of our control that we can't do anything about. We can't stress about that. The things we can control be it our reaction to it, and you know the things we're doing in our day-to-day -day lives. That's kind of what I'm trying to focus on. Um, I suppose it's something I've always realised, but COVID has really sharpened our focus on that, and that's probably what I've, I've learned about myself well during this period. Well done. And if you could have a conversation with the 21-year-old Rena Buckley, would you have a message for her? I wouldn't have a huge message for her. Like, um, I suppose I, I definitely would say to her, to keep going at the sport, it's fantastic, <laughs> and enjoy every drop of your 20s. Um, no, I think I did that to, to the best of my ability, to be fair. Um, I wouldn't have a huge message for her, to be honest. I'd probably tell her not to be not to be worrying about matches and so on. You'll get on fine. Um, but aside from that, not a whole pile. I, I think I, I, I got through my 20s pretty okay, and I was happy enough with them. And, and enjoy the ride, because it's an incredible career she, she has ahead of her. Now, we've asked all of our interviewees uh, today uh, to reflect and think about a dinner party. If they were to host a dinner party and you're allowed to bring three female guests, they can be dead or alive. Who would you invite and why, Rena? Yeah, thanks, Patricia. Yeah, so I got a heads up on this. So I was thinking about this last night um, and I suppose I was trying to think of kind of very strong Irish females and when it was dead or alive, I was thinking about them throughout history. So I came up with three kind of three names of, they're not actually from the sporting world at all. I went through a lot of people from the sporting world and, and I decided to go with people um, who I suppose were, um, I suppose, very strong women in Irish history Um that definitely would, wouldn't have been easy for them in many ways and that I'd like to chat to them and, and just learn about their experience. So I went way back in history for the first one. I went to a Grania Whale, Grania a very strong Irish woman that I don't know a whole pile about, but um, I'd love to have her around for dinner and, and chat with her, see how she got on in the mix of all the all the, the strong men I'm sure around at the time. That was my first choice. My second choice is a lady I'd love to know more about and... Um, again, another uh, very strong woman who was very much to the fore in a time when Ireland was very much um, going through change, and that's Constance Markovic. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, look, she had a, a very strong hand in, in Irish history, um, and I'd love to chat to her and learn more about it. And the third person I chose, again, um, a, a person who was, who was the first in her, in her field, and that was Mary Robinson, the first female president of Ireland. And I'd love to, all those three women, I think, have been really strong characters. Um, and I'd, I'd love to meet meet all three of them. Yeah, and they're all people that you could really learn from as as well. That's a that's a, a really good uh, lineup. Would you like to see more women in positions of power, Rena? Oh, definitely, without a doubt, yeah. Um, look, I, I don't know all the studies off the top of my head now, but... 
um, I think it's it's well known at this point that you know if if there's a, a balance in in terms of males and females, you know, in terms of making decisions, you know, better decisions are made, and that's in terms of society as a whole. It's in terms of businesses, in terms of you know making money, whatever it is. But when there's a, a balance between men and women, be it in sport, um, in anything, better decisions are made, so everybody benefits. So in society, if we have you know, a, a more equality in terms of um, decision makers, we're going to have a better society. So look, that's that's an absolute no-brainer. And because um, when you were at the height of your career within the, the GAA, what, did, did you have the sense that the men were treated better than the women? The lads were getting a better cut than the girls were getting? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt at all about that. Um, and, and we would have certainly known that when we were playing. But I think... I, I think as a player and when I was playing, you know, it was my job to play and I, I would have focused in hugely on, on just playing. Um, and I used to always think that, you know, if there was 20,000 more people at this match, would I enjoy playing the match anymore? And I probably wouldn't, to be honest. Um, so I, I suppose I enjoyed sport because of, you know, the pureness of it. Um, but I suppose now as I'm, I'm finished in that role in terms of with Cork, I certainly would be promoting that you know, we, we need to have a bit more equality in our sport. And the reason isn't just for, it's not just for the girls that are playing at the moment. It's because, again, much like the people in the positions of power, if you have more equality in everything, in sport, in your, in your work scenarios, it leads to better decisions. It leads to better Ireland. It leads to just a better society. It's not just women for women, you know. It's, it's because um, if we have more equality, you know, we have a better Ireland, a better world, a better society. Well said. Well, that's well kind said. of what we all want, isn't it? Well said. Well, what are you most grateful for? I suppose I'm, I'm most, the two things I suppose I'm most grateful for, for are my health um, and my family. Um, they'd be certainly the, the two things. And look, we all in this country, we, outside of COVID, we have great freedom as well um, in terms of education and, you know, and, and everything that goes with that. So... We, you know, there's lots and lots to be grateful for, but certainly what I'd be grateful for would be my health, my family and, you know, your social support. OK, and very finally, what does International Women's Day mean to you? So I think the theme for International Women's Day this year is choose to challenge. Um, so I suppose what that says to me is that, you know, if there is little inequalities going on, you know, or, you know, in, in your own life, why not choose to challenge them? Um and, and that's something we can all look at. It doesn't have to be something monumental, but any small thing, you know, if it can be, you know, improved, why not improve it? And I think the benefit will be that it's it'll lead to being a better society. Um, and, you know, every little counts. And I think that's all anybody can do. And look, I think it's fantastic that, that we're celebrating International Women's Day. Um, I think we're certainly making progress, but um, we still probably need to choose to challenge we need to probably get a little bit more equality around and a little bit less gender bias. And if we can do that, you know, it'll be a better world for everybody. Well said. Listen, real pleasure as always talking to you, Rena. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Patricia. Bye bye. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103.
And just some of your t- comments coming in. Rena Buckley says, Finbar is like a breath of fresh air. I agree more equality is needed, especially within the GAA. She's very welcome anytime at Sarsfield's GAA in Glanmire to give the underage Camogie team a pep talk. And that's from Finbar, who's the coaching officer at uh, SARS. Speaking of inspirational women, a text says, if you want anyone to nominate as inspirational, Julie O'Dwyer. She continues to work even though she is at the age of retirement. Her job is as a nurse and it involves looking after six children in their own homes. She's involved with Munster Special Olympics and just can't do enough for the clubs she's involved with, be it in the swimming pool or in the black water with the kayaks and with Mallow United Soccer Club. Julia O'Dwyer has organised virtual competitions during COVID. She does a huge amount of admin work that nobody ever sees. She's got her own daughter with special needs and she's involved in every club she wants to compete with. If there's a fundraiser, Julie is out there doing her bit. She's the most helpful and obliging woman I've ever met. Always got a smile on her face. I don't know where she gets the energy from. She's an inspiration to me and may God reward her for all the work that she has done. Well done. That is Julie O'Dwyer. Take a bow, Julie. And some of your texts in Sheila Mallow says, if I was to invite three people along for a dinner party, apart from my sisters, it'll be Oprah, Oprah Winfrey, Louise Hay and Melody Beattie. Louise and Melody, two inspirational American writers. And another texter says, Bernadette Devlin is the woman who inspired me the most in my time. She was one brave woman. So keep your texts and calls coming in on inspirational women, please, for the day that's in it. Now, Councillor Mary Lenehan Foley is the current mayor of uh, Cork County and she is our next female to join us to celebrate International Women's Day. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, Patricia. You're you're very welcome, and happy International Women's Day uh, to you. Can I start by bringing you? Can I start by bringing you back to your childhood and and asking you who was there a female role model that inspired you as a child? I suppose there was. There was a few um, women that I was inspired by, but I suppose the most, I suppose the one that had the most influence on me really would have been my mother, Maureen. My mother would have been a very business-like woman. And going back into the 60s and 70s and 80s, um, I suppose she was a role model that wasn't, I suppose, very... There wasn't many of them at that particular time around. She ran the business, um, Moby Dixon, y'all. She was the brains behind everything. So she was always a very powerful woman, I suppose, in my life. So it would have to be, I suppose, my mam. Yeah, and would she... Do you think your work ethic is- today comes from her? Yes, 100%. Because my mother, I suppose, would have been the type of person, she grew up in a large family from County Louth and she was kind of at the second eldest of the family. So she was always um, a woman that worked very hard and anywhere she got in life, she worked very hard. She went to work very early on when she was fairly young, which a lot of women did back then. But um, she always said to me, you know, that... There's no difference, really, Mary, between women and men. You just work away yourself and anything that you want in life, you'll get it if you keep chipping away. And that has always stuck with me, Patricia, because I felt she went through, I suppose, a lot in her own life. Her dad died young. She helped her mom rear a family with a farm and went out working. And as well as that, she always used to say that, you know, if you keep working and if you keep chipping away, you'll get there. So basically, I think she would have had a lot she would have been my inspiration definitely growing up. Did she get to see your career in politics? She did. She did. Yeah. Luckily, I got elected in 1999 
in the local elections and she was there for that so she got to see me do the second term as well and then sadly she passed away but um she was a great she was a great one for canvassing for me and she you know we had a pub and she used to have a notebook in the pub writing down all the names of the people will you vote for my mary and they'd say yeah but you're now patricia you know yourself people would say yeah and it's different on the day but she'd write the names and she'd say right we have four or five hundred people here now mary that have said over the last number of months they're going to give you number one but like we knew and she used to say to me we go halves on that maybe the 200 <laughs> where we can pick up the rest so she had a great old way about her of i suppose you know working behind the scenes for me and encouraging me always so yeah so, so coming from that background then what led you to your chosen career I suppose again my family really led me to my chosen career so no, it's no secret that my dad was in politics for 40 odd years and I've always said it and I still say it you know people discuss GAA people discuss rugby our house was politics so it was kind of inevitable really that I was going to be going forward for some type of politics or some type of role along them lines so when my dad was retiring and he called it the scrappage scheme at the time because remember back in the days of local council they would offer older generation men and women um a kind of a deal to step out to get younger people in back in the 90s this was now and he said i'm going to take the scrappage deal as he called it and he said will you put your name forward i think he said you've them out number one first <laughs> and he said i think your personality because i love people and I love meeting people and I always have. I think you should go forward. So that's basically where it started. It kind of went from there. Then I went then locally for the local elections and luckily got elected. But it's a very male dominated world and was probably more male dominated when you started out. A hundred percent. I was the only woman elected in the local council in Yall. But there was one woman, me and eight men. Yeah, <laughs> and do you, yeah. do do you think? It, I mean, it is changing, but changing very slowly. Would you like to see more women get involved in politics, in particular in local politics? And what do we do, need to do to encourage them? Well, I would love to see more local women get get involved in politics. But uh, like again, it is changing, Patricia. And I'm always saying this to people because when I was back then in '99, and I was the one woman with eight men. Now I have to mention. I got on quite well with the eight men. There was no issues. There was They didn't treat me any differently after the first number of weeks than they would have treated any councillor. But I kind of had to put my stamp in it, if you know what I mean, and let them know that, you know, I wasn't sitting back or anything. But then the next elections, there was three other women got elected. So it is changing and people are starting, more women are starting to come forward and starting to get involved in it. So it is changing, but again, slowly. I suppose we have to make it more attractive, attractable for women as well, Patricia, because it's a 24-7 job. It's um, a job that I suppose childcare is non-existent in because you're not kind of considered as in, you know, like some of the companies that are out there, you're considered for childcare, they have childcare facilities. They don't as local councillors. I see Danielle, I see a lot of women, young women um, in the council above in County Hall and it's dropping them to grandparents or picking from schools or, you know, because our meetings can run on. Our meetings can be one this week before next week. Development plan, you could be, we were at development plan meeting a few years ago, Patricia, to three in the morning, you know. So <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And trying not, to do that with a young family. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not, it's not um, easy 
for younger women to get involved. And I think we should probably make it, try and do, try and make the changes that need to be made um, to encourage women to get more younger people, not just women, but younger people to get involved. But it's not very attractive at the moment. And again, another thing that seems to be popping up again, I don't know, is it just a woman's thing or whatever? It seems to be everywhere all over. Social media doesn't make it very attractive either, Patricia, you know, but that's another story for another day. Today's <laughs> women's day, and, and that's what we're thinking about. And it's been a really tough year for so many people the last uh, 12 months. If you were to reflect, Mary, on the last 12 months, what do you think the last year taught you about yourself? Um, I suppose what it actually one of the things it actually taught me about myself was I remember in June when I was re- when I was elected for mayor and you know you're excited you're you're planning your year ahead and what you're going to do and how many organizations you're going to meet all the things that you want to do as mayor because you have that platform going to the schools meeting people meeting all the community organizations and of course obviously, there was none of that or very little at the very beginning. But what it has taught me, I suppose, is number one has taught me how to use social media a bit better and Zoom and Teams and all that. But number two, I suppose it's taught me that life can change at any particular time when you're not expecting it. And you just have to roll with the punches. You know, you like I'm making the best or I'm trying to make the best of my year as mayor and trying to make a difference and try and reach out as much as I can. But it has taught me that, you know, things can happen sometimes. um, And now we have no control over it. And we just have to kind of rock with it, Patricia. And what keeps you awake at night? (laughs) If I'm brutally honest, I actually never stay awake at night because (laughs) whatever type of person I am. Yeah, my husband says it all the time. Whatever type of person I am, when I go into bed, it is late now. I don't go to bed earlier at night like that. I could be doing emails till 11 and 12 at night. But once I hit that bed, Patricia, and I close my eyes, say my few prayers, I'm gone. I, I, I don't stay awake at night when before I go to sleep because I think it's actually, I've so much going on all day and my brain is going from morning to night from the time I get up in the morning and pick up my phone. I'm going, 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 and I'm in and out and whatever. And I think by the time I reach my bed, I just, I go out like a light, Patricia. You will have so many people listening to this interview envious of that, really envious of that. So long, long uh, may may continue. Now, if you were to host a dinner party with three female guests, now we're asking all of our interviewees today this question, and the female guests can be dead or alive. We want to know who would you have around that table and why? I suppose who I'd have number one because I kind of, I growing up as a teenager, I would have been very, um, I would have always followed Princess Diana. I always had a kind of, um, I always just felt, and I think a lot of teenagers back in my day, which would have been in the the seventies, going into the early eighties, um, Lady Di was a kind of an icon there, and she was probably one of the first that I would have been interested in as a teenager growing up, which was non-political, but I would have always admired her for her stand in, I suppose, the life that she was living and in the life that she was married into. And I suppose I'd love her around the table if, if obviously that's not going to happen, but that would have been one person I would have liked to have around the table. Another would be, I suppose, Michelle Obama. I find her very influential now and I, I'd, I'd follow her quite a lot and I'd look at her life because she's at, I suppose, the other side of where I am. 
my husband would probably be the most Michelle Obama because he's living with the person out in the limelight. So she would be, but I always feel that there's always somebody behind any influential person that's there to have their back. So I think she always would be one that I would, she would have had Barrett's back at all times. So she'd be another one. And I th- I'm, I'm kind of saying between Oprah Winfrey is another one that I admire, Patricia. Yeah. So yeah. I think I'd have her as well if she'd come to and, the table. And I think the three would all blend beautifully together. I think probably poor old Princess Diana might have been a bit quiet to start with, but I think the other two would have got the best out of her as well. And then you stuck in the middle would have been the icing on the cake. It would. And maybe you might be have been able to join us as well, Patricia. Because I think in conversations you are you are extremely kind. And then looking at famous females alive today, who impresses you the most? Um, again, I suppose I would have to go back to Michelle Obama. I would be a great fan of Michelle Obama. So she would be someone that, as I mentioned before, that I would follow quite a lot and I would listen to quite a lot. I do have a lot of admiration as well for, I suppose, um, Mary Robinson, because I remember the first the, the female president back in the day and I would have been younger. She came to y'all. She visited y'all. We were all out with our banners and everything. And it was great for women at that particular time back then, more so, I suppose, than now as well. So I would. But if I was to go with a number one, it would be definitely Michelle Obama. Yeah. Yeah. And as you're right about Mary Robinson, she made every woman who particularly women who wanted to get inv- involved in politics believe that it was possible it was and 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 yeah. it was and when you put your head on the pillow tonight what what is the thing you are most grateful for in your life um i suppose the thing i'm most grateful for is my family would have to be number 1 because i couldn't do what i do without my husband and my family, Patricia, it's a no-go. And any woman that's involved in politics would probably tell you the same thing. If I didn't have them, I couldn't live the dream that I'm living. And my life is, i am I suppose, I'm very glass half full always rather than glass half empty. But I'm very fortunate in my life that I got to do the things that I am doing as a woman, number one, and especially the third woman of the County of Cork ever to have getting, got this position. So I suppose I'm thankful every day for my family, number one, and I'm thankful to have gotten to where I've got today um, as a politician. Um, and that's basically it, I suppose, really. Well my family would be who I'm and when, By the way, when does your year as Mayor of Cork County finish? What what month? It's- it finishes in June. June. Oh, you've, you've another few months. You've another few months. You've another few months left to go. And then, very finally, we did invite you on to because it is International Women's Day. What does International Women's Day mean to you? It means quite a lot to me, and I think it's a it's a great day for women. And it's something I, I'm I'm a big advocate for as well. Is it gives people or it it enlightens people to what women want. And I suppose it opens up it opens up communication lines for women. Um, I think that National Women's Day is a great idea, but I think we should have maybe more of them so that we could discuss more women's issues. But I suppose it's great that it's out there, Patricia. And there's such a lot of other days there, um, you know. And I suppose with I, I hate saying about women's rights and about standing up shouting for women's rights, but we do that because we have to do it. And I think with National Women's Day, it's showing people we're there, 
we're here we're not going anywhere and we're going to make sure that anything we want to do we're going to get it done you know so it's good for highlighting what women are about Patricia well done well done the mayor of Cork County Mary Lenehan Foley it's always a pleasure to talk to you thank you for that and thanks for once again joining us on the programme Thank you very much, Patricia. Thank you. And Lee Mimbroff has been on about Rena Buckley, saying Rena Buckley is a credit to her club and to her county. I made a suggestion, Liam says to the GAA, that the Women's All-Ireland Finals should be on the same day as the Men's Finals. Have them both on the same day. That way you're guaranteed a crowd for both matches. Nothing ever happened uh, to that suggestion, but I think it should. Thank you for that, as Liam in Broff. And I've just been told that the Cantor to Butterfund Road is now closed and unfortunately that's due to a collision, so please avoid it. 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Farmers to be asked to do more and more for less and less. That would result in a hit on income. I hear you loud and clear in terms of your, your basic point that uh, it's, it's not about asking more for less. I fully take on board. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold. Post Calver Gold, your trusted feeding partner for your dairy herd this spring. Only on C103. This March, we are going back to America. Oh, hell no, your majesty. I am King Jofur. You are the heir to the throne of Zamunda. Put your hands together. Presenting King Akeem's son from America. This happened before we even met. It's not like you're the first man I've been with. What did you just say? After 30 years, a king returns. It is so good to see you. Coming to America. Available now on Prime Video. The neighbour's niece, Ava, had just started in big school and she was finding it hard to make friends. Then her dad had an idea. He started writing little notes of encouragement to Ava and slipping them into her lunchbox, allowing her sandwiches made from fresh, delicious Brennan's family van. And now, if you ask her who her best friend in school is, she lists nearly everybody in the class. Because <laughs> even with the school lunch, you can make it mean more with Brennan's. Today's bread, today. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, my next guest this morning appeared as a contestant on the first series of the RTE talent competition, All-Ireland Talent Show, making it all the way to the final. Cleona Hagen has since gone on to have a great career as an Irish country music singer. And I'm delighted to say Cleona takes time out to talk to us today. Good morning to you, Cleona. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're, you're very welcome. Now, as with all of our female guests today, I'm starting by asking you to go back to your childhood and as you were growing up, what female inspired you the most? Oh, to be honest, I had quite a few, but going right back, I remember when I was about five or six and um, hearing Celine Dion for the first time. And my two older sisters loved Celine Dion. So I remember that we always would have had competitions to see who could sing uh, a Celine Dion song the best. <laughs> <laughs> Did, and have you, have you managed to get to see her live at any stage? You know, I actually had tickets to go and see her um, last year, but of course, unfortunately, yeah. with COVID, um, it's been postponed now um, until uh, next year. So we'll get to see her then. Yeah, it'll, sure. be, it'll be something to look forward to. And what was your best Celine Dion song? 
I think it's all coming back to me now that we sounded like a pack of hyenas trying to sing it. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you didn't. So therefore, was music always going to be your chosen career? Yeah, it, it was. Um, the best way I can describe music to me is it just feels like home when I'm on stage and I'm singing. I just, uh, as a young child, I was always singing and uh, my parents couldn't get me to stop at times. God love them. But uh, yeah, I've, just, I've always loved it. I've always been um, drawn to, to music. But it can be a tough industry. And, and I know you qualified as a secondary school teacher. Was that a big decision to say, OK, I'm going to leave that aside and I'm going to go 100% into, into the music? Um, 100%. You know, just like anyone else, I, I have student loans and bills to be paid. Um, so I remember I sat down with my mum and I was saying, look, what am I going to do? I I miss singing. I miss being on the stage. I really do enjoy teaching, but singing is definitely... Um, always been up in my heart so I wanted to give it a go when my mum gave me great advice and said look Fiona give it a go and if it doesn't work out at least you don't have any regrets and thank goodness six years later I am so happy with everything that I've achieved. The last year though been particularly tough for everybody in your industry. Yeah it's been it's been awful of course um being within the country music scene, you have um, huge overheads. You've got your your transport, you've got your equipment, and um, there's obviously your employees as well. So um, it's been so hard for everyone. One, sorry, within our business. So, um, it's you know, I, I just hope that it gets back to what it was someday. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just awful. And what what have you learned during this year? What what has it taught you about yourself? Um, it's taught me that I I don't always have to be, you know, putting things up on social media. You know, it's okay to just sit down and read a book or watch TV um, and um, just enjoy, I suppose, I suppose the, the simple things in life. Yeah, it's funny how all of us, I think, are, it's the small, simple pleasures it's what's, yeah. it's what's what's getting us through it, isn't it? Isn't it really okay? Your fantasy dinner party. What? Who are the three female guests that you would most like to invite, and why? Oh, um, I would definitely say number one would have to be Dolly Parton. She just seems like the most fun person to hang around with, and she's so quirky. And I just, I just think she's very, very down to earth as well, and. Um, the second person I would say would have to be Shania Twain. <laughs> um, as a young kid, I love listening to Shania Twain and all her songs. And of course, she's a great songwriter as well. And the third person, I think, would have to be Celine Dion. <laughs> 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 you know, um, I don't think I would sing in front of her because she would be like, seriously, you're, what are you doing to my songs? But um, yeah, I think them three ladies would be, would, it would be great to, to have a dinner party with them. It's interesting. We had uh, Una Healy on earlier. She was our first guest this morning. And she also, her number one was Dolly Parton to have at her dinner party as well. But her two others, similar to yours, but she went for Cheryl Crow and Madonna. So they're, oh, close, really? <laughs> so they're close enough. And I take it you saw Dolly Parton getting her vaccine the other day. Did you sing in Jolene? 
I did, I did. I thought it was just so awesome the way um, she changed the words around to Jolene. You know, I actually had it stuck in my head and singing back, singing back. See, yeah. <laughs> it was just brilliant. It was just, and she looked terrific. She just, she looked great. She, she looked. I want to know her secret. Oh God, don't we all, Cleona? Don't we all? Okay, when, what are you most grateful for? in the world today? Uh, I think I'm most grateful for the people that I have um, surrounded uh, around me, my family, um, my 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 fiancé, um, my friends. I have really good, good people and I think that's just so important in life. Um, and yeah, that's, that's for sure what I'm most grateful for. Uh, so one of our listeners says absolutely love Cleona's a voice uh, and I'm also and I'm also a big fan of Dolly Parton so there's somebody agreeing with your, your dinner party a party uh, guest and is there anything that keeps you awake at night Cleona? I think for me Patricia it would definitely be regret you know I'm when I was younger I was actually painfully shy and you know always um, hated being asked questions by teachers or anything it was just very very shy but um, um, now I just uh, anything that comes my way like the dancing with the stars or something that I that, that puts me out of my comfort zone I I always go for it and give it my best because I don't want to look back in 30-40 years time from now please God if I'm alive <laughs> um, to say Cleona why did you just go for it you know there's there's nothing wrong if um you don't uh, win or you know or if you lose you know you always learn so for me um, always uh, just go for your, your dreams Actually Johnny one of our listeners actually says uh, you were robbed on Dancing with the Stars you should have won <laughs> yeah you got to the final of that didn't you I did, yeah you were brilliant Oh, it was you know it was um, one of the most wonderful experiences of my life I met some long time or long term sorry friends um, I don't have enough coffee in me this morning <laughs> Um, and it was just wonderful to learn all of these different dances. I didn't even know there were so many different types of dances. And it, what an experience. And it's a great show as well. And they, they, they're such a wonderful production as well. So I, I love to be a part of it. Yeah, I have great respect for anyone that does e- either that, the Dancing with the Stars, or the Dancing on Ice, because it's really pushing people outside their comfort zone. Oh, my goodness. Definitely. And you know what? Dancing with the Stars was very hard, but my goodness, I do not know how anyone does dancing on the ice. That's a different kettle of fish. I was just going to say, why, what, what do you like on ice? Would you consider that one? <laughs> Even I those... like Bambi. I honestly, I like Bambi. <laughs> and actually, so many of them, person. so many of them got injured this year. I, I don't know whether they'll be they'll be stopping and thinking about it uh, next year. Listen, uh, Cleona, it was a real pleasure uh, talking to you today. Thank you for that, and thanks for taking time out uh, to talk with us. Patricia, thank you so, so much and lovely to chat to you also. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That is the the lovely uh, Cleona Hagen. Hi, Patricia. This is from Graham in Germany. says, if I was hosting a dinner party, who would the three ladies be? Lady Diana, Michelle Obama and the biggest and only woman in politics, Angela Merkel. Thanks. And that's from from Graham listening to us in uh, Germany. Michelle Obama is definitely featuring in a lot of dinner parties today on our fantasy dinner party. 
parties. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. We couldn't have a day celebrating women without including one of our own. Martino Donoghue is the voice of Drive Time here on C103 and is one of our most popular presenters at the radio station. Good morning to you, Martina, and you're very welcome. Thank you, Patricia. And it's lovely to get the chance to talk to you because even on a normal day, we don't really run into each other. So this is lovely. Yeah, we're not even ships passing in the night. We just, we never get to see each other. We're on opposite ends of the day for sure. Okay, your roots are very much in West Cork. Who do you feel inspired you as a child? Well, I think when you're a child, you don't even realise that you have role models and that you're being inspired. But of course, it all happens quite subliminally. And at that age, it is really the people around you, like most of your guests have said today on the show. And the females around me were my mother, my grandmother. I had female teachers. Um, I think my work ethic comes from my mother and my father as well, to, to be fair. Uh, very hardworking people. I would have seen my mother working hard and being a perfectionist. And I would have learned the lesson that you do work hard, you have your responsibilities and you, you do your best. And uh, my mum uh, had turned the house into a and b And, you know, I kind of think there weren't many childcare options back there as well, as I recall. I, I don't remember any of my friends going to creches or anything like that. So, you know, that was something that could be done from home. And I think that also showed resourcefulness, you know, to look at what you have and think about what you can do to turn it into an income. So I think all those subliminal messages were were, were coming my way. Oh, and of course, Charlie's Angels. <laughs> they inspired me too, perhaps. Uh, you know, the independent feisty women who could outwit all the bad guys, uh, whether or not the, the bad guys were actual guys or women. Uh, yeah, the Charlie's Angels had a, some kind of impact on me too, I'm sure. And being raised in a and b were you constantly meeting new people? Yes, I mean, it was seasonal. It was just the summertime. Um, but it was an interesting time, especially if other children came to stay and you got to play with them or whatever. And, uh, you know, people from all different nationalities and you had to be a bit disciplined. You had to be quiet <laughs> in the evening time and not make too much noise. And you'd be told, shh, the people are asleep. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a, a very rich kind of background yeah. when you look back on it, I suppose. And I still have a game of Monopoly that is entirely in German because some German kids were staying and they left it with us when they left oh. and to this to this day I understand how to play a German Monopoly game <laughs> even though I don't have a word of German and I've never played an English version. <laughs> okay and then when you, you, was working media always going to be your chosen career? I think you think about a lot of different things when you are a child and working in media was always something I think I would have loved But you start to think, you know, well, how could I do that? You know, I don't know anybody working in media. And uh, there's that phrase, you know, if you can see it, you can be it, which is all about the importance of having people around you who can guide you into that sort of whatever it is your chosen route is. I didn't have anyone around me. I didn't, um, you know, I had as much chance of having a good conversation with a cow on the farm because we also had a farm than I had of having a conversation with a, a radio producer or anything like that. Um, but I, I, I did think to myself, yeah, 
I've got a decent voice, you know, I can communicate, I can tell a story. And I think it first of all grew out of an, a love of music. I was obsessed with music. I listened to radio all the time. I had all my favourite DJs. So, you know, if you told the 13 year old me that I would be playing music on the radio, I would not have believed mm. you. Like that would have been like telling me I was about to win the lotto. Um, but, um, you know, I kind of went for it and kind of put the footsteps out there, started out on hospital radio and CUH and just took every opportunity I could along the way, was DJing in bars as well and all kinds of things. <laughs> and you've, you've done it all. I mean, you've, you've had a career in TV, you've, you've a continued career yeah. in radio, you work in print media, you're, you're an all-rounder. Yeah, um, well, thanks, Patricia. Yeah, um, I suppose it's kind of been one at a time, really. In terms of radio, you know, there weren't really any female DJs as such, you know, at the time that I was trying to get into it. So the door did feel kind of closed. There were women reading the news. There were women on TV, current affairs, that sort of thing, but not so much in the kind of music DJing area of radio. And I was even told by a male radio professional at the time that female listeners didn't like listening to female voices, yeah. you know, based on research and surveys and all that. You've probably heard the uh, same thing, you know. All the time, but all the time. Yeah, um, and, you know, the, the radio stations, they wanted to maintain their female listeners at all costs. So they were very reluctant to put females on. Um, but I think, you know, if you can see it, you can be it. Um, one of my nieces said a really nice thing the other day. She said, you couldn't see it, but you still became it, which yeah. was a lovely accolade, you know. Um, so I, I think in fairness, C103 has been very ahead of the curve because for the past, how long am I there? About 13, 14 years. They've had two women on primetime shows, yeah. you in the morning and me on drive time. And you've been on, of course, longer than me as well, celebrating your 30 years on air last year. So, you know, other radio stations didn't quite take that leap. So I must say fair play to, to C103. And um, I've enjoyed all the little steps along the way. As you said, I did have TV and I still do some print uh, journalism from time to time. And I think it, I love variety. So I love the chance to dip in and out of different things. And I've been really yeah. lucky that and whatever I've about been able to. whatever about radio is TV, I would say, desperately competitive, was it? Yeah, I suppose it was. But I thank my lucky stars that I, I kind of did it before there was any social media and things like that. Because now you're criticised the minute you're... Uh, your face is on the television and I don't know how the presenters of today really cope with that. It's a huge added pressure. So we did our TV show and it was called Streetwise. That would be the main one. Mm. Um, that was back in the 90s and it was a consumer show and um, we did that and we were out filming on the streets of Cork and other places around the country and, you know, you only knew something, somebody's opinion if they told you to your face and, you know, there wasn't social media. So like, and people didn't tend to be nasty to your face, even if they did think negative things about you. So I feel looking back on it, I was a bit protected, really. Um, but it was very competitive and, you know, it was very short term contracts. I would have had three month contracts. And then you're kind of left to your own devices after that. And you're wondering, will it come back for another season and stuff like that? So people might see the glamour of it, but it's quite an insecure job, too. And it's tough. Um, it's, and, it's, and probably still is. It's a tough, tough job. Now, your your fantasy dinner party, who are your three male, female guests that you'd like to invite? Well, <laughs> I've been listening to the show today and everybody's robbed, I think, most of my guests. But uh, that's OK. Uh, so Dolly Parton is one of mine, too. And not because I'm a big fan of country music or anything like that, but... 
I just think Dolly Parton is an icon. She's incredible. She she at a dinner party would have so many stories to tell. She's got a great sense of humour. And I think we might even get a few songs out of her as the after dinner entertainment. Yeah. Um, I also think that she's a woman who defies expectations because she looks like a blonde bombshell. But, you know, dismiss her at your peril because she writes all her own songs. She's a multi-instrumentalist. She's a businesswoman. And you really get the feeling that she's the one who runs the show. There isn't really anyone telling her what to do, you know, and I I love that. Oprah Winfrey is my other guest for the dinner party. Uh, Very topical, of course, seeing as she's interviewing Harry and Meghan tonight and everyone's talking about that. Uh, But I've admired her for a very long time. I think she's a great communicator. She's someone who shows great empathy. She brought emotion into that type of TV, I think. And she can talk to the everyday person or also the big superstars. And um, also both Dolly Parton and Oprah Winfrey came from poverty. You know, Dolly was one of 12 children and she has documented even in her songs how dirt poor they were. And Oprah as well. She had a difficult childhood. She spent time with her grandmother. She spent time with her mother who really couldn't kind of cope. And, you know, they had no money and there was a lot of upheaval in her life. And now look at her. She's like a billionaire. So it's very inspiring that they rose above their circumstances and they didn't let that those difficult circumstances hold them back in achieving amazing things in life with their talent and their hard work and their determination. So I think they would be perfect for my dinner party. And then the other woman is Vicky Phelan and ah, just such a remarkable woman. Great choice. You know, they want... Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's closer to home than the likes of Oprah and Dolly Parton. And I just think, you know, they wanted her to stay quiet about the cervical scandal at the beginning. And she said no. And and it was to benefit all the other women in Ireland. And considering her health, you know, she would have been forgiven for wanting to hide under the duvet or at the very least, just spend her precious moments with her family. But she's been out campaigning and raising awareness. And I feel like she's given us all a bit of herself. And, Mm -hmm. And I think you know, the very least she deserves is a really nice dinner at my, my well dinner done. party. Well done. Um, would you, and would you know, you, I, I might even... Would you cook? Sorry, yeah. Would you cook? I I like cooking. Well done. But, um, yeah, I do. I like cooking. I, I do curries a lot and things like that. So, <laughs> yeah. I think I'd be very humbled to have Vicky at the, at the party anyway. Might, I might be a bit starstruck by Oprah and Dolly Parton, but I'd be... I'd be humbled to have Vicky feeling there and well, I hope I, they like my food. And I think they'd all get on so well. I think the, and the conversation certainly w- would flow. What has the last year taught you about yourself, Martino Donoghue? Oh, I think it's taught me, like a lot of people, how adaptable and resilient we can be and to just get on with things. Um, it's taught me how little I need in life, I suppose, really. I haven't had a holiday. I haven't bought any new clothes. I haven't bought any fancy shoes. I haven't been out for dinner, just like everybody else, I suppose. And um, you kind of ask yourself, do I need all this stuff? Um, also, the past year really brings home to all of us that health is the most important thing. And my grandmother used to say, your health is your wealth, Mm -hmm. which really you don't understand when you're young because you associate wealth with only what's in your pocket. Uh, And now it's quite clear that if you don't have health, you don't have anything, you know. So I think that's the big lesson of the year. Wise Um, woman, wise woman, your grandmother. Yes, absolutely. And she she did have those good phrases. Um, I'm lucky, though, as well, that my loved ones have stayed in good health throughout the pandemic. And I'm lucky that I have continued working and I still have an income. And I I realised that not everyone is in that position. So I think gratitude as well has come to the fore in, in the past year that 
the year has taught me to be more grateful about what I have, you know. Yeah, it's the one thing I constantly say when I'm chatting to people about this year. I'm just so grateful that I've been able to work through yeah. it, throughout it, not, not, not just from the financial point of view, but just to be able yes. to get up every day and have somewhere to go and something to do and just to keep yeah. your head, your head space. Is, is there anything keeps you awake at night? Um, I'm probably quite lucky in that I generally sleep very well. And I think that's probably because I go to bed too late. So I'm wrecked <laughs> by the time my head hits the pillow. I'm falling asleep on the sofa and battling it like, you know, for half the night. Um, but if anything was to keep me awake, it would be just the health and well-being of my loved ones, because that's all that matters. You yeah. know? OK, and finally, what does International Women's Day mean to you? Well, um, I think it means a couple of things. Uh, There were a lot of years when it kind of passed me by, didn't really come into my radar too much, but I'm taking more notice of it in recent years. And well, firstly, it's a day to celebrate the achievements of women and we've all really come a long way. And I think to personally give thanks to the women who have come before me, because I am a very independent person who's had a career that I love, but I haven't had to fight too many battles to get there because it's the women who've all come before me that have done that. They've broken down most of the barriers. So I think that's one part of it. And then secondly, a day to reflect on where we go next. And, you know, I'm thinking of the young girls now rather than myself, you know, what the world will look like for them and who their role models can be, Um, you know, girls weren't going into STEM subjects in school or going into those kind of careers. And there's a, a kind of a, a drive to try and get them to to think of those jobs, that they're not just men's jobs. And, you know, sport, you were talking to Rena Buckley earlier and she and her comrades are just such great inspirations for young, young girls. So, you know, it's that kind of thing to look ahead to. And, you know, I think the women's movement is always focused on equality between men and women. But it's also important to note that all women aren't equal. We're not all on an equal footing. There are women who don't get access to education. There are women who are in abusive relationships, coercive control. And, you know, International Women's Day should be a day to think about how those women don't get left behind well in done. the future. I well think. done. Well done. This is a pleasure to talk to you, Martina. We look forward to your show thanks. later on. And thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Connor has been on St. Patricia. Just wondering if I'll be able to listen back to the programme because you've had two of my, two of my favourite singers on the show today, Cleana Hagen and uh, Una Healy. That's from Connor. Well, the show goes out and uh, repeat at 11 o'clock tonight, but you can also get it after two o'clock if you go on to c103.ie. You can get the podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from. They go live at about two o'clock in the afternoon. Now, my next guest is based in Aherla and was a former Farmer of the Year, Paula Hines, along with her husband Peter and their daughters, not only run a dairy farm, but is also a passionate mental health ambassador. And we welcome Paula to the programme. Good afternoon to you, Paula. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and and you're very welcome. Your daughter, was it Becky, got a lot of attention lately? (laughs) She did. She, um, Jeannie Mac, she gave us a night off calving there one night last week or the week before, not this stage. And um, there was a cow due a set of twins and she said she'd keep an eye on her. And sure, we said, you know, if anything's happening, give us a, a buzz and we'll come down and help you. But Becky decided herself that she would um, handle the situation herself. And she gave birth. She helped the cow give birth to the twins. So um, she made great spotlight in this. It's brilliant. Media. It's brilliant. And the twins are doing well. They're flying. Jack, um, they're in great form. Um, sure, and it gave Becky a super boost of confidence because she would be a very quiet girl. Like she's very knowledgeable and well capable, but it really gave her a great boost of confidence. 
And was it a huge surprise in the morning when you woke up to discover that the twins had been born? Well, I was panicking, typical me being, you know, the protective mammy going, oh my God, why didn't you wake us? And she goes, mom, I had it. Like, she goes, oh, yeah, I was a bit nervous, but like I'd seen you and dad doing it numerous times. And sure, the first one came out and then I said, I better just check to see if the second one coming right. And sure, the second one was coming fine, mom. So there was no need to panic. So, <laughs> yeah, she's... Oh, she's a gas woman. She's a great, great kids. And I, I loved the idea that she was doing it so that mom and dad could have a bit of a sleep. I just thought that was just, <laughs> that's, a, that's a real sweet yeah. nature in a child, that a child at that age could see how exhausted mom and dad are. Yeah, we're very lucky with the girls. They're um, amazing. Yeah. Um, February has been extremely busy for us. It has been our tightest calving pattern to date since we started farming. So like we did 140 calves by February so it was fairly hectic so um, they're fantastic Dasha we couldn't do it without them Well done well well done so let me go back to your childhood where was your childhood <laughs> spent and what females are female inspired you as a child? Um, I suppose my childhood was spent with dad mainly and horses but I suppose growing up my mother would have been a huge inspiration she always was a woman that worked full time you know kept the house paid all the bills, did all the shopping um, and still managed to go out and do a full day's work um, and always found time to help everyone around her, her neighbours and, you know, if anyone needed anything, they'd always contact mom and, like, she'd drop everything and go. And my next-door neighbour as well, um, Kitty Falvey, she was would have helped mom out in the house and she would have been around giving us a hand in the house and looking after my grandmother who was also there. So I suppose... As a child growing up, they would be my three women that would have um, really inspired me. Surrounded by strong women, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, my my gra- <laughs> my grandmother was definitely um, a strong natured lady. She was um, she was the boss of the house, <laughs> kept us all under control. So, gr- growing up, what was the chosen career path going to be? Oh, <laughs> throughout my teenage years, I was horse mad. Um, all I wanted to do was horses, um, wanted to be an international rider. So I suppose being teenagers, Mary King, who was an international event rider and it's in the green, they would have all been a huge inspiration to me. Um, and sure, as life went on, I suppose things changed. <laughs> and um, I did go three-day eventing and I did my show jumping and I kind of fulfilled that role. Um, decided in the end that it wasn't really a career for me. Um, I had issues with my back and stuff. Um so we used to just break in school a lot of horses and we went down the road of showing horses in hand in as well. Could you ever have seen yourself as a farmer's wife? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't consider myself a farmer's wife. I consider myself a, farm, a farmer in my own right. Well done. Um, but if you'd, asked, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, would I be farming now? I would have literally laughed in your face. Um, I didn't know the front end of a cow to the back end of a cow. But in saying that, I had a passion for animals. I, um, I had absolutely lived and breathed the horses for years, so it was um, a very easy transition to um, get into. And it's like everything, you know, if you throw yourself in at the deep end, us women are very resilient. Throw yourself in at the deep end and you pick things up fairly lively. And Hands you, on experience, you, you, you can't beat it. You are really passionate uh, about your animals. And I, th- I mean, that was very much reflected when you went to Africa to do that TV mm. programme. The passion really yeah. came out. Is, oh. is it hard to explain that passion to people that don't have it? 
I think it is because I presume to know a lot of people would see black and white cows out in the field and that they all look the same. But like I have 180 cows that we milk and then I have another 40 teenagers or maiden heifers, as I call them. And I mean, each and every one of them are completely different. I don't even need to look at their tags. I know each one individually by their markings or by their personality. And they're just so loving and caring and, you know, a lot of mine have names and they'll come up to me in the field for a scratch and they'll come up to the back up to the back of the parlor to me and you know i can i have at the moment at the side of the new house here my maiden heifers are out and i can call them and they'll just come running straight up to the gate to me because they hear my voice it's unbelievable it's a, and I, I think people don't realize that that side of farming goes on and there's a lot of farmers who'll be very much nodding listening to you going yeah I'm the same on my farm but I think people outside of farming don't really understand or, or, or see that what has the last year been like for, for you guys um, I suppose thankfully we have the farm um, it has been a very very strange year for everyone um, we've been extremely busy the last 12 months actually since Covid hit uh, we were building a new house and we were trying to get that finished and we were selling a house and I'd lost my dad and you know we had the calving season and um, so I suppose extremely lucky that um, we do have the farm like I don't I can't if I had to live in an apartment building and be stuck inside it would have been a very very different scenario but like we were able to get out every day in January we did a fundraiser for um, Embrace Farm which won 1000 so that got us out as a family walk in running every day um, so I suppose in hindsight we're extremely lucky that we have that we are so busy and we have so much to do. Um, it has been a very challenging year, and I suppose for me, I was I learned how to do Zoom meetings, <laughs> which I wouldn't normally do, and got a bit pro a bit more proactive on that. And I suppose it's like everything when you're put into a situation, you make the best of it and you just get on and you fulfil what you need to get done. You know. And losing your dad during a, a pandemic, uh, Paula the funeral would have been very different to what a funeral would have been in normal times. Yeah, I suppose I was, well, not lucky that he died just before the pandemic, but like he got an amazing send off. And I think it would have been a lot harder if I didn't have that send off for him because the amount of people that came to the funeral and was telling me stories about him, how he had helped him, you know, start their business or oh, he gave me the step up in my business and old Larry brought me my first load of gravel and you know if I had to go through that couple of months later I think it would have been totally devastating I wouldn't have been able to um grieve him properly so and I think the pandemic would have absolutely been horrific for him because he was a man of um routine he used to you know go out every day to get his bit of brown bread and his few messages and he was a he's great fate so he used to go to mass a couple of times a week so to try and keep him in the house there all along with a pandemic would have been, it would have just killed him anyway. He would have just found it impossible. He, w- he wouldn't so have suppose, cocooned easily, is what you're saying. He wouldn't. And <laughs> I mean, like, technically, you know, I shouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able, I probably could have called him because I would have been his carer, but my kids couldn't have called him. And that yeah, would have just yeah. absolutely killed him because he saw my kids every day, you know, and 
he just would have found it extremely, extremely difficult. Yeah, and I have huge sympathies and I, and I think it's in the years ahead uh, people will be dealing with it. People who have gone through bereavements yeah. in, in during the lockdowns when only 10 people allowed in the church and, you know, I heard of a family of 11 standing at the door wondering who was going to remain mm. outside and thank, thankfully a re-understanding yes. priest said come it's in. It's horrendous. Yeah, it's you dreadful. Know, there, was a few, dreadful. there was a few locals died around here now but we all stood out on the road when the horse was passing. That's all we could do, you know, just yeah. to show our, own, our respect. But it is tough and it's very tough for people and it has been an extremely tough year. Hopefully we're going to come out the other side of it this year with a bit of luck. And what have you learned about yourself this year? Um, oh, I'm definitely more resilient than I used to be um, with homeschooling and everything. Um, that, that was tough going fierce respect for teachers I don't know how they do it um very difficult for me with the three of them being the three different age groups you know I have two in secondary school and one in national school um to be fair the two in secondary school kind of got on with it but it was extremely hard for Georgina to focus not being around her friends and stuff and um so I didn't think I could ever do that but I did it and we got it done and I suppose I was more aware of people being on their own, so I'd make more phone calls to people that were living on their own. And um, I suppose I just thought of more people outside my own bubble and tried to keep people going. If people needed stuff, I'd go and drive and get them stuff. And Do you worry, suppose, do you worry about um, the mental health crisis? That we're, I, I, I yeah. think we're already experiencing. I don't think it's coming down the road. I think we're already experiencing it. It is, and it's it's going to be a big issue going forward. I think, like the amount of young people that um, I talked, and the amount of DMs that we get, you know, people are literally at cracking up point at this stage. Um, do you know, it's it's been a long. We're nearly twelve months into it now, and mm. there hasn't been much happening with the last twelve months. And being stuck in a house is not good for your mental health, and not being able to see friends. And you know, there's a lot of my daughter's friends that are finding it extremely difficult. You know single children that are there on their own with just a single parent and um all we can do is try and encourage them to pick up the phone and speak to someone or speak to um their family or friends and try and get stuff off reach out like yeah yeah but you know in in saying that that's easier said than done as well you know going back 17 18 odd years ago when pete was going through it he found it extremely difficult to reach out and it took him a long time to um finally do it like and get and sit down and talk to me about how he was feeling so it is very difficult for yeah, people yeah well said well, well said okay your fantasy dinner party Paula who are the three females that you would like to invite and why um, <laughs> I had a good long heart to think about this one would you believe it my, mo- my mother would be definitely one okay and who else mm-hmm. I I recently watched The Crown. <laughs> yeah. And I think if, I'd love to have a conversation with Queen Elizabeth because she's after seeing, you know, she's there so long and she's after seeing so many different things and different eras. And I'd love to pick her brain about different, how, about different things. And I would have loved to have shared, I'd love to have sit down with my mother and tell her everything that's happened the last 10 years because there's so much after happening myself, Pete and the girls, like she had, she didn't even meet Georgina. So like, there's just so much after happening since she died 
um, it would be great to sit down with her. Yeah, that would be that would be. And really I think another one I think would be Kamala Harris. You know, being the first female vice president, that's a big step up for women. And you know, I think going forward, she's going to inspire a lot of people. And she's such a strong woman, isn't she? She she she, she, oh, she really is. is. She really um, is great. Yeah, it's great that she got got there. You know, it's um, it'll definitely inspire women going forward and hopefully um, make them speak up a bit and put themselves forward for more, I suppose, political jobs and things like that. That I, nothing is impossible. Do you, do you think we need more women in positions of power, I, particularly politics? I think so. I'd love to see more women putting themselves forward. Um, but I suppose like it, like everything, it's not an easy job for women to speak up. We can be a bit, you know, air sure I don't do that much anyway. But I think that's our biggest problem being women. Um, I'd love to see more women um, in farm organisations as well. You know, with the IFA and the ICS, or the ICSMA and all those organisations, I just think women can give um, a different perspective on things. And, um, you know, it's good to uh, have different perspective on things. OK, and Paula, what are you most grateful for in life? Um, I suppose I'm very grateful that I'm doing a job that I love. I don't even consider it a job. I'm very lucky that I have three healthy children and a healthy husband and we all avoid avoided COVID this year. And we're, you know, we very grateful for our new house. And um, I suppose I'm just grateful for everything we have. We work hard for it and, um, you know, we're at a good stage in our lives now. And um, it's nice to be able to enjoy it a bit. And I suppose myself and Pete learned a lot, a lot the last few years. We used to always work extremely long hours. It was ridiculous, actually. We never took time out for ourselves or took time out away from the farm. But I think we're finally after getting a nice work-life balance now that we actually do take time off and do things with the kids. And, you know, going to Africa, and that was amazing. And um, hopefully plan a trip back there now once this COVID situation is well done, well done. And I love the way you guys still have date nights. I think that's really important. It's a, oh, it's a, it's a lovely thing that you want. You do, you yeah, do. If we if we can't have a date night, we'd have a date breakfast. Yeah, it's, cool. it's fab. It's fab. Listen, it's been a real pleasure as always uh, to talk to you, Paula. Thank you for that. Stay safe and thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having Trisha. Bye bye. Good afternoon. That is uh, Paula Hines uh, joining us from uh, Aherla. 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. And thanks to Anne in Ballon Temple. Said she really enjoyed my chat with Martina O'Donoghue. She said, well done. Thank you for that. And our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, spoke to three three mothers in Cork who are doing their best to overcome the challenges they have been faced with over the last year. The last year's been tough enough now, I have to say. Um, Working from home, teaching from home, um, the things that you normally kind of, that anchor you in the week, they're all gone. So anything you might normally do on Monday or Tuesday or whatever, they're gone. So... I think people are a little bit adrift because of that, but uh, managing and just taking it day by day, to be honest, Fiona, just keeping it in the day, trying our best to, you know, just kind of 
be positive about it. Mother of two, Leanne Burke is one of the many mothers around the country who've had to overcome a whole new set of challenges due to the pandemic. Leanne is a lecturer at UCC in the economics department and has been working from home for the last year. To be honest, things like research and that has gone on the long finger and of course they're the kind of things that help you progress in work and so on. So, you know, and a lot of women would... A lot of my colleagues and that would have felt the same way that, you know, women are kind of disproportionately affected by, in this area, um, that the time we would be spending on that kind of work is now being spent with the kids or you know, just additional, um, I suppose, teaching commitments as well. So, yeah. Jenny O'Connor is also a mother of two and is a teacher at Colosh de Cullum in Ballancolic and her workload has doubled. I think that if you had to do those Google Zoom classes from home and if you weren't a parent, it would be very different. Oh, it would be a whole different ballgame, Fiona. (laughs) I'd be the fittest in my life. I'd have a six pack. (laughs) I'd have a 22 inch waist if I did not have children at home. But saying that at the same time, um, I actually think it would be really lonely. <laughs> as tough as it has been, and it has been very tough, I'm not going to lie. You know what I mean? It has been tough. But I think it would be very, very lonely if you didn't have the kids at home at the same time. So I think it's different challenges for every group of people in this pandemic in all of these lockdowns have had very different challenges. But I, I strongly suspect that my students you know things would have been my classes have been have been video bombed have been dive bombed have been stopped by scrapping have been stopped by by toilet business um you know there's been all sorts where yeah i i've had to hit the mute button before i haven't even made the mute button before there's things being roared at the screen so it's yeah it's been um it's been interesting jenny has also had to overcome additional challenges with homeschooling my son is on the spectrum as well so there have been real additional challenges around that where he hasn't you know for him it's it's very differentiated like school is school and home is home so trying to teach him at home has been really challenging um, and you know I've had to kind of go around it sideways like I bought books for Irish I bought novels and I bought graphic novels and I bought comics and stuff and I leave them out because he's, he's quite an advanced reader so I've left those books out and he's kind of picked them up and read them and that's how I've done Irish with him but it just means that I, you know he's now doing completely different Irish to the rest of his class mm. you have to do what you have to do Fiona McAuliffe is a full time mother to two girls I just kind of found that um, they just got sick of my voice they became immune to my voice and you know being a mammy and being moon to our mammy and trying to do trying to be everything to them including their social life like I was absolutely wrecked um, but um, you know, trying to get more into do schoolwork and trying to keep my my little superhero two year old occupied at the same time, you know, you just kind of run out of inspiration and creativity after a while, you know. And she's been missing life outside the home. Adult company. What's that again? <laughs> uh, yeah, like I, you know, I, I suppose yeah, like again, this is awful now, but I'm going to be brutally honest. Um, my Mobile phone, like every, like a lot of other people, has become my way of being in touch with people. Mm. But my mobile phone has also become the way that I entertain my two-year-old when I'm trying to do homeschooling with my seven-year-old. Mm. And so most of the time until they go to bed, I don't get to use my phone during the day. So I have actually lost 
touch with a lot of people. So yeah, I'd like to take this opportunity. Anyone who does recognize me. Hi, I miss you. I can't wait to get in touch with you again. Getting through the pandemic has been a struggle for many and these mothers have been telling me about what they've learned over the past year. Massive respect to any parents out there who've actually managed to do all of this and keep down a job as well. Um, I, I just think the stress of trying to prove yourself in a job as well as trying to keep a house in order is just, it's just insane. Like I let myself off the hook, do you know what I mean? And I do understand that right now to be good enough is more than enough. So if the kids are being fed, if they're being loved, if they're being, if they're getting outside and they're getting exercise, are you keeping your stress levels down? It's like you're covering yourself. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You're getting, you're getting the minimum done that you have to get done. Yeah. And the stress levels are, tr you're trying to keep the stress levels down is vital for not only ourselves as women and as workers, but also for our families. So doing what you can do, keeping the stress levels down, getting out for a walk is not only good for us, but it's good for our children as well. Well done and thanks to Fiona Corcoran for speaking to those very inspirational women and Rose in Dunmanway from the Tarish Jock Charity Shop in Dunmanway really enjoying the show she says she said say hello to all the inspiring women who are involved in charity work across the world Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie so I'm getting involved with their suggestions for dinner guests uh, Mags in Passage West my fave dinner guests will be Dolly, Dolly Parton Cleona Hagen who we had on earlier and also Mary Robinson that's coming in from uh, Mags and Mary and Killarney was on she said she would invite Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners she'd be a great dinner guest Sister Stan and she says give her some time she needs to think about the third one and somebody asked Rose by text earlier says Patricia who would you have as your three uh, dinner guests a lot of them have actually been mentioned Michelle Obama definitely would be high up the list of somebody I'd love to sit down and have a dinner with. And I think also uh, Dr. Jill Biden, Joe Biden's wife. I think she's a fascinating woman. I'd love to sit and chat with her. And the other person I'd love to speak with would be uh, Jacinta Ardan, you know, the New Zealand, the Prime Minister in New Zealand. And coincidentally, all those three who'd be on my fantasy uh, dinner guest list, we tried to reach out to see if we could get them to join us today. But unfortunately, they're all very, very busy women. So they would be my uh, three at the moment. That could change. I could have a total different three for you next it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 1850 My next guest is Anne Mooney, who is the Southern correspondent with the Irish Sun. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. And thanks a million for, for taking part in this. Now, we, we start with you as a child. Do you have a female that you can think of who really inspired you as a child growing up? Well, as you know, I, I go back a long time now, Patricia, so I'm afraid that uh, I wouldn't have had access to internet or anything like that to sort of, um, you know, have a, have a female uh, figurehead there. So <clears throat> basically... I think my inspiration was my sister, my older sister, Mary, um, who was an absolutely and still is an absolutely wonderful um, person. Um, Mary, at the age of about 16, um, took over the role of looking after myself and my younger brother um, because I lived in the west of Ireland. And as you know, at that time, the west of Ireland was decimated with unemployment and everything else. And my parents, um, both of them, it was probably unusual, is generally the men who emigrated to England to get work. But my mother and my father both left. And so my brother and I were at home with my sister and my grandmother. Um, So Mary, at that very young age, took over um, caring for us and looking after us and even running a business because she was a hairdresser and had a hairdressing salon in her house in Roscommon. So um, Mary did, I suppose, what a lot of people wouldn't do nowadays, and that was to give up part of her childhood to ensure that we had one. Um, And what age was Mary at the time? About 16. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, It was, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was one of those things, you know, it happened in the West that, that not parents generally, but on this occasion, as I say, both my parents went, now, don't get me wrong, we had a great time. Um, you know, I I did sport. I excelled at sports, various sports. I was on the Roscommon Camogie team. I was probably one of the best swimmers in town, you know. So so we had a whole, um, a whole kind of freedom that maybe we mightn't have had if our parents were there. But anyway. And how long um, did they emigrate and stay away for? Um, they stayed for about, I suppose, about 12 years, maybe, maybe a little bit longer. But, but, but that we did, we, we learned to travel because we were over and back to England for all the school holidays for the summer. Um, so I suppose that gave me a love of travel because as you know, I also travel right for the, uh, for the Irish sun. And so I suppose from, from very early age, from, you know, from, even before I got into my teens, I was getting on the train from my hometown, Castlereagh. I was traveling to Dublin on my own. I was getting on a flight to England on my own. Um, so, so uh, you know, there was a huge independence there as well. Um, and it never did us a bit of harm. Absolutely not. You? Absolutely not. And I'm wondering, yeah. did it help to develop your curious mind, the fact that you did that travel at a young age and doing it on your own as well? Because obviously as a journalist, you have a very curious mind. 
Yeah, I think I think it did. I think it um not that I knew at that stage I was going to be a journalist, but certainly um it opened up the world to us and um you know, we we stayed in like initially they were in Wales, so we were in Cardiff and then afterwards we were in Birmingham and they had uh, you know, they kind of set up my father was actually the grand marshal for the for the uh, St Patrick's Day parade in Birmingham. So we were all over for that big occasion. And um, I suppose, um, yes, it did, yeah, it, it opened up the mind, um, whereas, you know, coming from a small town in the west of Ireland, you tended just to be enclosed within that community, but this broadened probably the world a bit for us all. You and know? suddenly you were seeing big cities and, and living in big cities for, for a portion of, of the year. So talking then of journalism, what led you to become a journalist? Well, now I have to admit that there was very little research done on that. Um, and uh, it was more a fluke than anything else, I suppose, because um, I, I was actually in Birmingham and we had the Roscommon Herald at home uh, in the house. And I was up in the bedroom and I was reading it. And I saw this single panel piece about um, a new journalist course, which was being held in Dublin and inviting applicants but you had to write about 500 words on why you wanted to be a journalist so I actually said oh, I'll have a go at that and I actually did it and I was called for interview and the rest is history I got on the course and um, you know um, started working when I came off the course I started working in um, I was lucky I got a job in the Roscommon Champion I moved on from there to the Roscommon Herald and from there to the Westmeath Examiner and then down to Cork. So, And what brought you to Cork? Well, my husband, as you know, is a sports journalist. Or yeah. He's retired, uh, Brendan. Um, and he got a job with the uh, Cork Examiner as it was then. Um, so we decided to move down because of that. So um, we were both working in the Westmeath Examiner. That's where we met. And uh, we moved down to Cork then. And in in your years, particularly when you were starting out as a young journalist, it, was it very male dominated? Was it was it mainly men in suits oh. that you were around? Oh, absolutely. And you know, when when we got married, um, and I was working with the Westmeath Examiner, I was called in by the editor and told that I'd have to give up the job because I was now married. <sighs> um, yeah, yeah. So I decided, well, you know, darn that anyway. So. Uh, when the opportunity came to move to Cork um, and and nobody objected at that stage, which was really amazing. You know, I made my views known, but but even the union at that stage wasn't fighting the battle for women in that way, you know. So um, so we came to Cork and um, I was pregnant with my first child. And um, I remember Steve Collin, the, who was the news editor in the uh, Cork Examiner at the time, called me in and said, I hear you're a journalist. And I said, well, I'm kind of one. And uh, he said, well, look, um, we need um, a, a reporter who would do advertising features and features. And, uh, you know, so that was the start. And haven't looked back since. Yeah, it's it, today's the younger generation today. Almost it, the the marriage bar, as it was, uh, particularly in the civil service. It's so hard for the younger generation to understand that that you decide you fell in love yeah. and you decided to get married, and that was it. You stayed at home and you made fairy cakes. 
<laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but if you were to look back at that young 21-year-old Anne Mooney, what would you, what message would you have for her today? Well, to be quite honest with you, Patricia, I've actually thought about this one and um, I wouldn't have any message to for my 21-year-old back then because um, I did all I wanted to do um, and throughout my life I've always done what I wanted to do um, and I've never seen any barriers to prevent me from doing that. So um, I suppose, you know, I wouldn't, I haven't got any regrets about anything I've done. So when I look back then, um, you know, I was traveling, I was working, I was um, moving around, you know, so I mean, no, I, I have nothing that well, I would actually well, say to her. Well, you, could just, you could just say to her, the road ahead is good. You're going to enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Well, yeah, um, I, might, I might tell her to save a bit more, save a bit more money. <laughs> but apart from what, that would be, be about the only thing, you know. Now, the last year has been difficult for so many people on so many different uh, levels. Looking back and reflecting on the last year, wh- what has it taught you about yourself or have you learned anything about yourself? Um, I think everybody has learned during this period of, of COVID uh, confinement. Um, and I certainly think that what it has taught me is that um, probably family is more valuable than anything else. Um, I, I think that it's it taught me that people are very, very resilient <clears throat> in that we can just totally um, leave uh, what is normal and go into what is definitely abnormal um, and follow the rules or the majority of people follow the rules where you don't see loved ones. Um, you can't see you can't attend funerals, loved ones. You know, it's it's just the fact that we can actually do that, that we will follow the rules and do what's good for our for our fellow mankind is is a huge factor, I think. Plus, um, I think that I would also I also feel that maybe it's made people um, and it certainly has made me more aware that this is possibly one of the ways that uh, the earth is fighting back against. We tended to have lost the run of ourselves. Mm. Um, I think that this has made us all sort of think again about um, maybe, you know, we should be playing a role in trying to get help the planet to recover. And obviously the fact that uh, we haven't had airline air traffic we haven't had traffic we haven't had people moving all over the world um is maybe not a bad thing in the sense that it's given the ch- the world a chance to rest yeah it's nature giving us a bit of a wake up call is there anything that keeps you awake at night not really no no i have to say that uh, um no, there isn't. Maybe my husband's snoring, but apart from that. <laughs> and if you were to host a dinner party uh, where you could have three female guests, now they can be dead or alive, who would you invite and why? Well, first of all, they'd have to be fun. And secondly, they'd have to drink wine. And thirdly, they'd have to enjoy good food. Okay. And so from that starting point, um, I would actually, uh, and they're all alive, um, I I'm not going into sort of you know the uh, the the the, the world famous financiers or anything like that. I would actually like to have uh, the mammy Mary O'Rourke at my table. 
mm-hmm. um, because I think that she's great fun. I think she has been a woman who has set the trend for women in Irish politics. Um, she is what she's in her 80s now and she's as alert and as lively as ever. Um, and uh, she, you know, she ha- was minister in various portfolios um, through the years. Um, and she has written books. She has, you know, her whole life has been interesting. So she would be definitely one. Um, I would like Mary McAleese because I just like Mary McAleese from the time, from the very first time I met her. She had this warmth about her, um, you know, having done interviews and that with Mary Robinson, Mary McAleese, Mary Robinson tended to be cold and standoffish, whereas Mary McAleese, no matter how often you met her, no matter where you met her, she always remembered your name. Yeah, yeah. And I think that TV programme that that she did where she's walking around with people, I think that really has shown the the warmth of personality of, of Mary McAleese. Yes, and you know she's good fun, um, but she has her serious side as well. And as we, as we all know, she um, she has taken on the the church in 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 relation to various issues like homosexuality and women priests, and um, but she was also one of the women uh, who was ranked one of the most powerful in the world mm-hmm. um, when she was president. So I think that. You know, it, it speaks a lot for her, but she has a very human side as well. And that comes across on the interviews that she's doing on the television at the moment. And my third person that I would like around the table is Roberto O'Brien. And Roberto O'Brien, as you may, as you probably know, because I think you may have interviewed her, is the trendsetter in the Irish Navy. She mm-hmm. is the woman whom I see um can see in my mind as the next flag officer of the Irish Navy. Uh, She was promoted. She was the first woman to be captain of a naval ship. She uh, has been promoted to commander, the first uh, female to uh, achieve that rank in the Irish Navy. And um, she's a a really good all-round person. She has three young children, including twins, um, her husband, uh, Pather, is a lieutenant colonel in the army. So this is a real defence forces family. <laughs> um, and she manages to cope with a with a high flying career along with her family and everything else. That goes and what that. an amazing role model for young girls and young women growing up to see what she oh, has absolutely. achieved. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I know I know Roberta because uh, my own daughter, Caroline, uh, was one was the third um, Irish woman in as a female, as a cadet to become an officer in the Irish Navy as well. And um, she uh, retired as a lieutenant commander. So, you know, they, these women have been the trendsetters. They went into the Navy at a time when I believe that there was a, a, certainly a push against taking women into mm. the Navy. And they had to really make their inroads into um, a man's world. Yeah, yeah, and they and they did, and they did successfully. So that's a yeah. that's a, a that's a nice dinner table, nice uh, set of guests. It'll be a nice, interesting conversation there uh, for sure. Okay, and 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 what are you most grateful for in life? Um, I'm most grateful, I suppose, for um, I'm I'm very thankful for the fact that 
um, I have a good family um, and everybody is healthy and, uh, you know, happy within the limits of how much it can be happy because life isn't always full of the joys. Um, and um, I am grateful for to be married for as long as I am to my husband. Um, and uh, I'm really happy with the fact that I became a journalist and that I got to meet some really, really interesting people along the way um, and that it still opens up worlds through travel and through news. So I suppose you can't ask for much more than no, that, Trisha. No, and we will we will travel again for sure. And just finally, of course, we have you on the programme because we are celebrating International Women's Day. What does this day mean to you personally? If I was to answer that really honestly, yeah. I would say not much. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you know, it's great to have an International Women's Day, but... To be honest, how much of an impact does it have on women? You know, uh, has it made much difference to women's lives? Um, I think that it's women themselves who get up and get out and do what they have to do. And I think having an International Women's Day or an Irish Women's Day or a Roscommon Women's Day won't make any difference to that. I think that um, women as we know, can multitask, they can be head up boards, they can, you know, they can do whatever they set their minds to. And I am one of those people who believe that, you know, you shouldn't get a job, um, a high powered job or even an ordinary job if you're not up to the job and if you're not good enough to do it. Um, So basically, you know, I may annoy people, but I don't see that International Women's Day really has um, that much impact. OK, well, I'm just glad we have it today because it's given me the opportunity to chat with you this morning and to chat with other amazing, strong women. And that's what the day is about for me. Listen, it's been a real pleasure as always. And uh, we will speak again. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. And thanks, th- Patricia. Good morning to Pleasure. you. Bye bye. Bye bye. And thank you to Mary in the Wild West who says, Hi, Patricia. Love your show today. What inspirational women and each and every one of them were, were truly inspirational uh, women. And I've really enjoyed it. So a big, big thank you to all of our guests from Una Healy to Stephanie Preisner to Rena Buckley to the County Mayor, Mary Lenahan Foley. Cleana Hagen, Martino Donoghue, Paula Hines and uh, Anne Mooney there from the Irish Sun and also to Fiona Corcoran for her package which uh, contributed as well. It's been a really, really enjoyable day and thank you. Didn't get around to all of your texts. There's lots of people texting in as to who they would like to have at their fantasy dinner party including some people throwing in some men into the mix. Sorry for the day that was in it. It was all about uh, females. Katrina Toomey I have to say is coming out quite strong on people saying that if they had a dinner party that they'd like to invite people would like to sit down with uh, Katrina uh, Toomey who I think would be a fascinating dinner party guest as well and for once we'd get the opportunity to cook for her instead of her constantly cooking for the people of uh, Cork and also in the midst of questions of comments coming in today. There were some questions in for Annalise. I should have mentioned that at the start of the programme. Obviously because of the programme we were doing today to celebrate International Women's Day. Uh, we didn't have Annalise on the programme today but she is going to join us tomorrow instead. So if you have any questions for Annalise we'll open the phone lines and the text message service and you can get questions in for Annalise uh, tomorrow. But that's where I have to leave you for today on this International Women's Day. Hope you enjoy your day. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for 
the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 on to the 9 Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie C103 Anthems. Three anthems weekdays at 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. and online all the time with our new anthems stream. Listen on our app or at c103.ie. C103. This is the sound of business owners bossing their day with Sage. Fish delivery bossed. Invoices sorted. <laughs> Clients work out bossed. Expenses smashed. Tax return, done. Take control of business with new financial tools from Sage. Boss it. Try for free at sage.com. Terms and conditions apply. Here at Noel C. Duggan Mill Street, we are still open for business. The safety of customers and staff is our number one priority. Due to COVID-19, we are asking customers to keep two metres apart, prioritise the elderly, pay contactless and shop sensibly. Get your building, DIY, electrical and painting essentials at Noel C. Duggan, the family store Mill Street. Open Monday to Saturday, 9 to 5.30pm. Call 029-70039 for concerns or inquiries. The secret to younger-looking skin? At Clarins, there is no secret. Just over 65 years of advanced science and research to bring you our best in skincare. Enhanced formulas enriched with concentrated, powerful plant extracts. Your skin feels nourished, appears visibly smoother, and glows with confidence. Whatever your skin type, whatever your moment in life, Clarins. Live beautifully. Available at your local Clarins stockists and on clarins.ie. On FM, online, online, and on your phone. This is C103 News. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.